Yes, Father. I pray that we would be a nation that does not silence truth, Lord God, but honor mm. Lord God. I pray that just as a nation, we would hear and see what you are doing, Lord. Yes. I pray, Father, that you would raise up leaders, Lord, in the government that are Christians, Lord God, that are true believers, Father, that would be bold to share your truth, Lord God, and to stand for their convictions, Father God, that they would not be swayed, Lord. I pray, Father, that as people we would voice our concerns, we would elect those that do have those convictions, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that we would be, uh, your people, Lord, would not be seen as um, hate mongers, Lord, but as people that are filled with love, truth, and compassion, Lord God. I pray that they would see that it is your love that compels us to tell them about you, Lord. So I pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would just do a move, Lord. We know that you've been starting moves um, in different areas of the and we just pray that those uh, moves that are led by your Holy Spirit would continue to grow, Lord God, that they yes, would just God. multiply. And Father, we know that you're in the midst, you are in control, Lord God. And I pray that we did not lose hope nor faith. And Father, I do uh, lift up our time together. I pray that we would walk away with applicable truths, Lord, and that our knowledge would become wisdom. Pray that we would have ears that hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, I just had a, um, I saw Nelson yesterday, mm -hmm. and his nephew came in. Um, his nephew's daughter's name is Rosie, and she is starting the chemical process, I guess, of changing. Mm -hmm. um, he's been trying for six years. to. She's 22 right now. Wow. So she is in Texas, I think, with her mother. Her mother's all for it. Um, so that's one thing. But then, Nelson had all the test run scans and everything, and there's no cancer in all of his body right now. Jesus, praise the Lord. I mean, they're just, all the doctors said, and Rob, his nephew Rob, mm -hmm. was with him, and said the doctor said, oh my goodness, I don't understand it, but we need, praise to get the Lord. we need to get his weight up. We need to get his, if he can get his weight up, and, um, and eat, which right. he doesn't, he eats like a bird, but if he can eat, Wow. They are so Praise grateful God. Praise God. that, you know, for the prayers to continue, Jim Amen. was just blown away. He is going to probably go home with somebody there, but um, I hear that's a good praise report. Praise the Lord. All the scans, everything. Amen. And they said it was in his spine, and they're Amen. just like, it's not there. Praise God. Not in his stomach or anything, so he can Amen. eat and all that, too. Amen. So just uh, want to tell you No, it's beautiful. And her name is Rosie. Rosie is the, right. is the daughter of Okay, I just want to make sure I have her name right. The, Nelson's nephew. Yeah. And she's yeah. going to be starting that process. Okay, we'll keep her lifted in prayer. Norma, would you um, pray for Rosie and then just give thanks to God for the report on Nelson? Of the Lord, yes. the man of the living, Father God, and many will come to know.
that is who you are, God. Yes. You are a loving God. A God that pursues after us. A God that is relentless. A God that is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. A God that so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. And whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. A God that reconciles. A God that delivers. A God that heals. A God that provides. A God who calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. A God who adopts us. Calls us his own. Gives us the right and the privilege to call him Abba. To call him Daddy. Oh, how I pray today, God, each of us, Lord, rather we're here or on Zoom or those that will listen later to the podcast, God, that they know you. God, that it's just not a form of religion. God, that they truly know you. God, that they have heard the call to come to follow you, Lord Jesus. To deny themselves, to pick up the cross, and to follow you. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that it's your desire that none shall perish. So I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word today, to hear from you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you would, as you've been drawing us in and I just pray, God, that you would give us, if we don't have it, or if we do have it, it'll be even at a greater level, but a a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Father, for your name's sake. It's all for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. It's this word we're going to hear all the way till the end of the year. It is my hope and my prayer for all of us that we would truly grasp the understanding of what it means to apply God's truth, His word, to not just be hearers of it, but actually be doers of it. Not in our own strength, but depending upon the Holy Spirit. And it's sustained effort. This is not a one-shot one-time deal. No, it's every day. It's constant. I can't, I can't keep encouraging us with this understanding because this is what the Bible gives us the understanding to, is that we are in a war. We have this realm in which we cannot see. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air and the darkness. We have this realm here, which is the world system, and then we have this old nature. If you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, you are still living out of a nature that's actually at war to destroy your soul. 
Because it's at war with the throne of God. And we're all, all of us are born into that nature. And yet God understands what we're up against. That's why the Bible encourages us that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's ultimately His. And then even greater encouragement in that is that the battle is already finished. We are victorious because Christ has been resurrected. If He was still in the tomb, we're fools. If He was still on the cross, we're fools. I've said it over and over. Some people, that's where their Jesus is at. Either He's still in the manger... He's still on the cross or he's still in the tomb. But it's the resurrected Jesus. It's the resurrected Jesus that we as Christians who have been born again, we announce. We announce. It is because of his resurrection that we have the hope that we have to live new lives. Because we are born again. And these are Jesus' words. You must be born again of a new nature. And that is of the Spirit. You're not walking any longer according to the flesh. Again, we've heard over and over, how does He transform us? By changing the way we think. It's a whole new way of living, you all. And that's why it has to be sustained effort. It's consistent. It's hard work, especially when we are behind enemy lines. But the hope that we can have in Jesus to get up each day and to walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation, that we have considered the cost, and we say, Lord, I receive. I belong to you now. And we learn now how to live. So application comes from the root word apply to give one's full attention to a task. Again, hard work. And the degree in which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is the degree to which we will understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study. And it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. Ultimately, That is our goal, (laughs) to be able to distinguish between good and evil, to know what is right and what is wrong. Life and death, the Bible says, are set before you. And then he encourages us, choose life. Choose life. Choose that which will bring forth fruit and abundance. And I've been studying as I was sharing on Friday night, about the word integrity and how important it is that we are people of integrity. And integrity is just not a, a for the moral, you know, for what is right, if you would, understanding. No, when I really started looking at the word and I really started understanding that it actually means wholeness. 
wholeness. Peace and wholeness. And as I was sharing with you all a little on Friday night, in and of ourselves, we sabotage everything. Things will be going good in our lives and we'll mess it up. No one else does it. Well, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they treated me. But it's still your choice to respond to it. Integrity, to be a person of character. And that's why the Bible is so clear about trials in our lives. They're there to produce something within us. Perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and that hope is in Jesus. And that hope will never disappoint us no matter if our circumstances never change. See, we're living differently now. We're thinking differently now. We're seeing differently now. We're moving differently now. And we need to be people of integrity, wholeness, completeness, peace. Like, I'm not going to do something unethical. I'm not going to continue to lie and manipulate and cheat and steal. Like, I want to guard what has been entrusted to me now that my eyes have been opened. The Bible says the veil has been removed. For those who are not in Christ, the Bible says their eyes are still blinded by Satan. And so we're not laying the Christian life upon the lost. No, we share the gospel with them. And I've said over, over the years what the church does wrong is that they demand people who are lost to live as Christians. But they don't know how to live as Christians. Their eyes are blinded. And so we don't go telling them, live a Christian life. No, we tell them about the King. We give them the gospel. It is the gospel. It's the power of the gospel that brings forth salvation. We give them all, we tell them all the benefits of the kingdom without the king. And there's a lot of people who are thinking they're Christians, putting kingdom principles in place in their lives, and they don't know the king. Our role is not to go forth and to tell them about the kingdom before the king. It's not to tell them to live a way that they have no clue how to live in and of them old selves. No, once you're born again, once you understand adoption, once you understand that you belong now, that you are completely loved now by God Almighty, you're not at war with Him any longer, you're not His enemy any longer. Like, there's a change of heart. There's a change of mind. And now you're unlearning everything you learned as an enemy of God. And so to, to really put in place, I, I was sharing with Carrie a simple technique this week of watch the conversations you're having with yourself. Rather, they're in your head or just coming out of your mouth. And here's an example. We're waiting to get, I'm just using that as an example. We're waiting to get in the parking lot. I mean, in a parking spot. This lady was taking her time. Well, Carrie just starts going on and on. 
And I said to Carrie, I said, Carrie, why are you having that vain conversation? What is all that doing for you? She just kind of looked at me. I said, so we're sitting here waiting for her to back out. But do you realize the additional stress you're putting on yourself? And then you're just letting out just to say things? When the reality is, what's the point of it? It's not encouraging, it's not edifying, it's not building anything up. That's what she encouraged me this morning when she said, I've been taking vain conversations and shutting them down. And I said, because that's something I've had to learn. And at times I catch myself and I go, wait a minute, what am I saying? What am I thinking? Like those are vain conversations. And this is what I'm talking about, putting things in action. Like applying truth. Like you start realizing, wait a minute, I want to be a person of integrity and I can't be in and of myself. The world tries. You know, the self-help gurus, you know, it's all me, myself and I. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better person. And that's what the world seeks after. And we were hearing that about on Friday night. And then when life messes up on them, they're bitter at God. And I love what that ther- the, the psychologist, the Christian counselor said on Friday night. He said, and then they look up to God and say, why don't you love me as much as I love myself? Mm-hmm. And then they, begin, then they get angry at God. Do you know how many people today throughout the earth are angry at God? And what is there to be angry about? And that shows you the wrong understanding they've been taught wrong about God. Listen, I told you over and over, there's no error in God. Oh, we can hold our fist up against Him. And we can have all the accusations against Him. But listen, they don't stand up. When you truly know Him, when you truly lay His character over your accusations, you'll see what a fool you are. I've been there. I had all these accusations against him. But then when I started to realize who he was, I'm like, oh, God. And that's why I keep telling you, you you can't learn about his character from this realm, from this realm, and from yourself. You've got to open his word. It's a revelation. It's the living word of God. He's revealing himself to us. To a creation that is at war with him. He still steps in. Your rebellion, your anger, your whatever, your sinfulness doesn't affect him in one bit. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of me. He's not afraid of a level of darkness. No, he steps in. He's light. There's no greater authority or power. It's him and him alone. But one thing he won't do is force us. He will not force us to love him or to even accept him. But he always reveals himself to us. And he's been doing that since we took our first breath. He's been there with us and he will remain with us until we take our last. And then when we stand before him, we'll have to give an account to how which we lived. 
people's quick. Why does, why, why does God send people to hell? No, God doesn't send people to hell. God has made a way so that no one will enter into hell through Christ. No, people choose hell because people choose to continue to rebel against God. Even the book of Revelation, I mean, angels are going, I mean, things are happening. Everything's taking place. The wrath is pounding this place. And yet God is still in his mercy trying to reveal himself. And even in the last bit hours on the face of the earth, there's going to be people who will still throw up their fists, hide in rocks and say, no, no, you're not God. I mean, do you understand the human nature? So before we start blaming God and having all of our accusations against against God, no, all that needs to turn around to me, myself, and I. I'm his enemy apart from Christ. You're his enemy apart from Christ, and that's why I keep trying to encourage you. You will never know him fully as God until you first understand your nature. Because it's not until you see yourself as his enemy that you see your need for his salvation and his mercy and his grace because he didn't have to. But he purposed it even before he spoke and the world formed. I told you all, the cross was always purpose. Adam and Eve's sin didn't take God by surprise. He, He wasn't pacing heaven, ringing out wringing his hands like, oh, now what do we do? No, he knew already. See, love, the essence of love, God is love. Love has to be displayed to all creation. That's why there's no greater love that a man will lay down his life for his friend. This is what Jesus did. And love conquers, love wins. That's the essence of love. It's patient, it's kind. It's not boastful. It's not envy. It holds no records of wrong. Love never, what? Fails. This is what the Word of God says in Corinthians. And so when you begin to study, and when you begin to really open up the Word of God, and and you're not going there for selfish motives, but that you're just seeking Him, saying, just reveal yourself to me. Because He begins this work in us. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us. And the Bible says, as you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. And this is the the constant that needs to be there. You know? That it's application, that sustained effort, that hard work. That you say, no, no, I'm not going to be ruled by my flesh anymore. No, I'm not going to listen to the, to the lies and, and, and the manipulation that I've created myself. No, no, I'm not listening to the world system that's just offering me things that are contrary to truth. No, 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 I'm not going to allow this realm to influence me to worship anything or anyone else. Like, I belong to Jesus. And in this generation, people need to start seeing that. You're, again, you're not out there bashing people over the heads with your Bible. And the Bible tells you to some, 
you're going to be a fragrance of life. To others, you will be a stench of death because they do not want to turn from their evil ways. And again, I keep trying to encourage you, and they have every right to live however they want. Just like God's not going to force them, you're not greater than Him. Why are you trying to force them? They have every right to live however they want. Let them enjoy the fruit of, this, of the labor of their life. And in the end, that's all they've got. You just keep living your life. I say to people all the time, if you put more effort into your own Christian life than you are out there trying to make people Christians, your life will be much better. And your life being lived for Christ will actually impact more than your aggressiveness behavior of trying to demand people to live in a way that they don't want to live. So you just allow them to see the transformation in your life. Let them see that you're a person of integrity, a person of character. And that's why when the Bible says, stop lying and start speaking truth. Stop stealing and I'll work hard and give generously. See, it's an opposite behavior. Stop all that filthy talk coming out of your mouth and start speaking things that are pure, that are lovely, that are wholesome. See, because you're a person of integrity now. You're a person of wholeness. You're a person of completeness. But the issue within the church today is that sin is not being dealt with. And it's not being dealt with because the individual is still allowing that old nature to rule them. But listen, sin is no longer your master. And how many of us have ever heard, and how many times have we said, oh, I'm always going to sin. Oh, I'm just a sinner. Oh, I can never do anything right. Ah, that's too big of a standard for me. You don't know my background. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know my desires. Blah, 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 blah. And we keep looking at me, myself, and I. Let us not forget of the resurrected Christ. Let us not forget that the Bible says <laughs> that when he rose from the dead, he defeated the power. He stripped it of its power. It's the power of sin and the power of death. And so one Christian might ask, or an unbeliever might ask, well then why do Christians still sin? And that's a very good question. Not because God is not big enough, or that he did not complete what he set out to do, it's the individual Christian who has chosen to. See, 1 John says to us, we're all sinners. We can never say that we've never sinned. But 1 John does say, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember. We're going to look at that in a minute. That struggle between your old nature and your new nature is there until you take your last breath. But listen, you all, you have got to get to a place where it's a sustained effort that you're reigning in that old nature and saying, oh, no. The Bible says, do you know what the Bible says to do with the old nature? 
Do you know how the Bible tells you to look at that old flesh? Crucified to his cross. You left her there. You left him there. Now you are alive in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit of God, God himself in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. Trust me when I tell you, we don't walk around as if we're perfect. We don't become prideful and arrogant as if now we have have obtained. No, we remain humble. But each day we choose what? Life. We choose truth. God, if you said it, I believe it. God, what do I do with all these desires and all this anger and all this hurt and all these insecurities and all the stuff of this old nature? And you know what God says? Reckon yourself dead. You see, dead people have no rights. They're dead. That's how you to look at your old nature. Trust me, with someone who was filled with just so much. And listen... Listen, please. (laughs) All of us are born into sin. That is the nature. And that nature, any of us can go in any direction out there. Mm -hmm. That's why when I came to Christ, I told people when I had opportunities to share or to speak, listen, don't you label me as an ex-homosexual. No, I'm an ex-sinner. The very nature of who I was was an enemy towards God. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I'm an (laughs) ex-enemy. Because that wasn't the only issue in my life. I had a lot of other issues. that fed into all the stuff that's out there that was being presented to me. See, we're seeking and 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 we're seeking for what? Just a sense of belonging. And that's why we search for the created. We go from, not everyone, But unfortunately, the majority of us have been from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. We're just giving ourselves away, giving ourselves away, giving ourselves away, taking everything in, everything in that we can, and then reacting out out of all of this. And then when you start recognizing the works of the flesh, you go like, oh, God, why am I continuing to live that way? Like, see, when the reality really started hitting me in the beginning of my Christian walk, listen, I didn't like the church. I didn't like Jesus. Oh, and now, God, I belong to you, but do I really have to belong to them? Those people? Yeah. Because unfortunately, the majority of the church, they're made up of religious people who just hold a form of religion and deny the power of God. But as I began to interact with 
the body of Christ, I'm like, oh, wow, wait a minute. I've been blinded this whole time. I had all these accusations against her. Hmm. Look at her. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. God, these are your people. Why am I just focused on what what the others are doing that want to have a form and yet deny your power? No, no, God. Keep my eyes upon her. The one in which belongs to you. Because they're growing. They're maturing. They're advancing. They're giving of themselves. They, they carry your identity. I said, oh God, wow, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus, this is beautiful. Like, again, would you really get beyond yourself? Sustained effort, hard work. When you understand, when you're dealing with your sinful nature, and trust me, because the Bible tells you, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other constantly. But one thing I've learned is what you feed breeds. Yes. See, if I kept doing what I did back here, I wouldn't be where I am today. I would just stay stuck there. And there's too many Christians back here. And somehow they say, well, that's okay with God. Because God knows me. Well, yes, God knows you, but he calls you from that place to advance. <laughs> to keep growing, to keep maturing, to be about our Father's business, to deal with sin. Listen, we've got to stop making excuses for ourselves and others. No, if they choose to continue to sin, so be it. That's their choice. But as for you, there better become a declaration at some point in your life to ask for me. I will serve the Lord. And if you have a household, well, then that's your declaration over your household. Or you say, well, everyone's rebelling in the household. Well, then you stop rebelling. You just start living. You just start going forth, declaring the truth of God's word, begin to live it, begin to serve, because we're not above Him not to love them. What did Jesus do? He stepped into his creation that was at, at, at total rebellion against him, and yet he humbled himself to serve. He's our example. That's what he calls us to. That's what he calls us to. And so you can have the victory over that nature that longs to drive you to the depths of despair because of what Christ has accomplished. Not because of what you can accomplish, but because of Christ. You see, if all I did was go around and say, oh, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, then what am I going to be? A sinner. But the Bible says that I have a new creation, that I have a new identity. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You see, you've got to start changing your mindset. You're replacing the old with what's new. You're, you're walking in a new creation because I've been born again. 
You've been, if you're a Christian, you've been born again of the Spirit of God. It's no longer I who live, but Christ living in and through me. And if we're going to make that declaration, then by God, we've got to do some work. Because faith without works is dead. And I keep telling you, where there's no faith, there's no God. I don't care how religious you are. And so I want to talk to you about sin today. We got to stop making excuses for it. We got to stop saying that it has more power than the resurrected Christ. Sin is not above God's throne. But do you realize that's where a lot of Christians live? Oh, this addiction. Oh, this, that. Oh, my old nature. Oh, my bad attitude. Oh, my this or that. When you go to lie, the next time you open up your mouth to manipulate or to lie, will you just recognize what I'm about to give myself to (laughs) is trying to exert itself above the throne of God? And do I really want to give it that type of power over my life? See, we just got to get real. The next time I go and I'm going to click on something that I ought not to see, and I'm going to allow it to exert itself up above the throne. No, no, no. I don't want it to have that power over me. The next time I'm just going to open my mouth to gossip, to backbite, to slander, oh God, may I recognize that it it is exerting itself above your throne And I don't want it there because it doesn't belong there, nor could it ever, ever get there. But if I perceive it to be there, it will rule over me. (laughs) You say, no, no, wait a minute. I See, I told you all, you all know yourself better than anyone else. We hide, we, you know, we have all of this stuff, and we pretend. And the reality is that most people know you're crazy. Even if you don't think you're, 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 you're deceiving them. Even if you think you're deceiving them. No, because there's fruit in your life. <laughs> there's fruit in your life. But we have got to start being able to live in a way that's victorious in Christ. And we've got to start seeing it for what it is. We've got to stop making excuses for it. Because ultimately, what does Satan think that he could do? Get above, throw God off his throne, and exert himself up above the throne of God. And this is the spirit that is at work and will continue to work until Christ takes him and deals with him finally. But right now, he has the rule and reign, not because he's powerful, but because he's been given the right. He's been given the right. He still holds the deed. But it's about to be snatched from him. That's why when Jesus would walk into places, and you read the accounts in the Bible, and the demons would say, Jesus, Son of God, is it time? You see, Satan and his demons already know their hour is coming. They already know. I mean, the Bible says 
that demons even tremble at the word of God. Are you trembling at the word of God? You see, we gotta wake up, you all. We gotta, we gotta get up from just I go to church. I just go to church. <laughs> no, no, it's not about going. It's about being. You are if you're if you're truly a Christian, you are the church. That is your identity. And yes, are there still areas in our life that need to grow and mature? Yes, because we're not perfected until we're with Him. But we got to stop making that excuse. I counsel people over and over and over, and it's almost this. It's, it's like broken records, but it's it's but it's different people. But it's because we believe the lies. We believe the lies. It's just human nature to believe the lies. Well, I'm not perfect. Well, who's telling you to be perfect? Actually, that's a good place to start. Recognizing in yourself you're not perfect. So stop trying to do it in your own strength. You don't know how many people I've counseled over the years. And they say, well, I'm trying. And I keep telling them that's the problem. You're trying. Get out of God's way. You are to reckon yourself dead. But alive in Christ. I mean, I told you my prayer that I prayed from the beginning... How now then shall I live? I know what Rob Farrell would do. If I was still in charge, I would not be here with you. I wouldn't care about your eternities. I would be running amok out there. And so would you. But this is what I'm telling you. Like you just say, God, I know how I would live. But today, God, I know I belong to you. That I, I recognize that I'm a sinner. But in Christ, I've been redeemed. So now I'm a child of God. How then now shall I live? Help me with my impulses. Help me with my desires. Help me to understand what it means to deny myself, to pick up the cross, and to follow you. Help me not to allow sin to be my master when your word clearly tells me I'm no longer a slave to it. But now I'm a slave to Christ. I've got a new mind. I've got the mind of Christ. So many of us are praying, oh God, if you just, God, if you do, God, give me God. And God basically is looking saying, well, I can't because I already did. (laughs) The problem is you just don't believe. And he can't force us to believe. And so many times I counsel people and they say, well, if God would just take this away from me, No, he wouldn't be God if he took it from you. The essence of the gospel is what you lay down your life. You give it to him. Give it to him and stop going back and picking it up and identifying with it. But you don't understand the struggles that people go through mentally. I mean, just think of yourself. (laughs) And we want God, God, and God says, I've already done it. Just believe. Just believe. Like, God, you're really telling me I can live differently? Like, God, you're really calling me out to to do something beyond myself? Not so that I can point it back to me, but I can just point everything to Him. That's why we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. 
And so listen to this devotion on sin. It's titled, Whispering Sins. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity, which is sin, cannot be found out and hated. Sin is pervasive. It seeks to infect every area of our lives. When sin whispers that we are the most important person in existence, that we deserve to be happy, and it doesn't matter what we do because no consequence will catch up to our own sneakiness. We may forget this truth. We are are not our own because God has paid a hefty price to rescue us from those whispering sins. Sin pulls us out of reality and places us into fantasy. It makes us like children who cover their eyes and think they're invisible. No one can see me, they think, because I can't see anyone. But God always sees. Nothing is hidden from Him, even what is within our hearts. When sin comes to blind us towards its effects and convince us that we should act as we please, We need to remember the truth. We live for the glory of God, not our own. And at the pleasure of God's will, still not ours. Don't believe the whispering sins. Believe the spirit that dwells within. Spend time with God each day so you can tell the difference between their voices. And I love this prayer at the end of this devotion. It says, loving God, thank you for giving me I'm sorry, thank you for forgiving me all my sins at the cross. Close my ears to sin's whispers and open my eyes to reality. Go to James 1. I know we got a lot going on today, but here we go. We're already off and running. We're we're around the third lap, but we've got 15 more to go. James 1, verse 12 through 27, the book of James James 1, verse 12 through verse 27. Here we go. Ah, May we have ears to hear this, you all. And that we get a new hunger and a desire for the truth of God's word. Because listen, when you read his word, when you really allow Him to speak through it, you begin to, to, to really begin to see how you've lied to yourself about it, how you've allowed the world system to lie to you, and how you've allowed this realm of darkness to keep you ignorant to truth. Remember the Word of God says it's the truth That will set you free. So James chapter 1. Verse 12 through 27. God blesses those who what? Patiently endure testing and temptation. Listen, I told you all. Because the word of God tells us. That temptation is not sin. You're going to be tempted. Because you still live behind this realm, this world system. You still have those 
flesh, but you don't give it the right to be that which consumes you. He makes the Bible says he makes a way out of every temptation. So don't make that an excuse to say, well, I just had to give in. No, no, no. He makes a way out of every temptation. So we have to understand that. But back to this. God blesses those who patiently endured testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to listen to those who what? Love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Listen, here's truth. Perk up when truth is displayed. Temptation. So where does it come from? It comes from our own desires, which entice us. And look what it does. Drags us away. So that's when, listen, that's when you just get real with yourself. When they flare up, whatever the temptation is, to gossip, to backbite, to lust, to this, to that, whatever it is, when that temptation comes, you can say, no, no access. I'm a child of God. I do not have to respond. I do not have to give in. I will not be dragged away. I will no longer be enslaved to you. Do you see the difference? Instead of allowing it to just fester and to boil over, like you say, no, no, I know I like to live in pretend world and and make up these stories and, and make me something that I'm not in front of others. Or I like to have everything about me. No, no, when you start seeing that, that temptation there, you go, no, no, wait a minute. I can just be quiet. <laughs> it doesn't all have to be about me. I will not get dragged away. Some of us just need to get up from this place today and that be your phrase all throughout this week and from here on. That you understand how to combat against that which is coming for you. Because where does temptation come from? Our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give what? Birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gets birth to what? Death. Death. See, that's all the flesh knows to do, and that's why I keep trying to expose it. All these years. Some of you say, Rob, you always sound like a broken record. Well, just get it. Keep listening because you need to continually to hear it the way we learn is through repetition. You have so much coming against you each and every single day. But until we get up and really start understanding, now wait a minute, I want to give in to this this when all I when I understand the works of this old nature wants nothing more than to drag me to death. Why am I giving myself the right to that? Just because I got to get it off my chest. I just got to say those words. I just got to act ugly. I just got to do because that's what I want to do. Like, no. Temptation. If you give into it, it opens up, it brings forth sin. It masters you. It dominates you. And then it drags you towards that which is dying. 
Do you realize that this old nature, this old nature of ours, it loves the created? But your affection is not to be towards the created. Your affection was always meant to be towards your creator. And so these realms understand how to devour you if you allow them to. It says, so, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sister. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, because he became his prize possession. That's your identity. Start seeing yourself. Start thinking, meditating upon that. Instead of meditating on your chaos back over here, or maybe the chaos you're in right now. That you recognize, no, this is who I am. Everything else is screaming at me, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. But no, this is what God says. And his voice, his voice, when he speaks, wow, he creates. And from the old, he brings forth the new. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must. Here's, see, whenever you see you must, these are action words. This is application. This is, that means you, you do it. You just don't hear it and be like, oh, that's what, the, oh, that's what it says. No, no, go this week. Open up these verses when you get the notes. Highlight, circle, go, okay, wait a minute. This is how I'm supposed to be living. I can't do it to myself, but God, I believe I, I, I believe I can through Christ, through, through the Holy Spirit. So help me, Holy Spirit. You see, that's, remember, he's your comforter, he's your teacher, he's your guide. You have to do this all upon and within his strength and the confidence in him. So, you must be what? Quick to listen. Stop running your mouth. Stop having an opinion over all this craziness. Stop acting a fool. Just be quiet this week. Be, be ready to listen. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So, get rid. Here's another action point. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. It didn't say in everyone else's life around you. Your life. Listen, when I was growing, and really at my infant stages... And as a Christian, I had no Christians around me. I had no church. I had my gay lover and my gay friends. And I was around people that hated God just as much as I used to hate God. And I wasn't demanding them to change. It wasn't about them. They weren't confessing Christ. But I was. I was. So I had to deal with myself. So I had to get rid of all the filth and evil in my life. Next step, humbly accept. Oh, 
You want the key to freedom? Here it is. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. Humbly accept. Stop fighting with God. God, you said it. Well, God, I believe. And God, I may have to wrestle it out, but God, that's okay. It'll, it'll build muscles. <laughs> it'll build these faith muscles. That I can walk upright, no matter if everyone else is living chaotic. I will choose to abide in Christ. And then I love what it says here. But, you, but don't just listen to God's word. Here's another point of application. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walking away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you what? Free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And, God, how I love this last line, refusing to let the world corrupt you. My God, I really am praying for us this year that we will begin to have a further insight and understanding to God's word, that we will begin to see it differently, that we will begin to say, wait a minute, like why have I been fighting and neglecting this all this time? Like you are giving us the roadmap to life and life in abundance. Like, I'm tired of just trying to gather up everything here. I just got to belong. I just got to belong. No, I've already belonged in Christ. I have all that I need in Christ. Do you understand the way that if we as Christians would walk confidently in that, instead of trying to go out and act a fool, to build the kingdom on the earth, do you realize that's what the Jews thought? That he was going to come and, and set them free from the Romans. They were looking for a temporal king to meet their temporal needs. But listen, Jesus is greater than that. Does he meet, meet, meet our temporal needs? Yes. But if that's your only reason coming to Jesus, you've got the wrong Jesus. i got to watch myself today. Woo, Jesus. Listen, thousands were following Jesus. Thousands were following Jesus. But when his ministry shifted, and then he says, I am the bread of life. You have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. The Bible says these disciples, thousands of them, the Bible calls them disciples. They were his students. Thousands upon thousands, droves of people. And the Bible says they began to say, what did he say? What's, eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. What, what is he saying? 
And they said, the Bible says, that they said, this is too hard for us to understand. And so they turned and they went back to their old life. Do you know how many people come to Christ? But when the truth is upheld to them, they go, and I'm sure we all know people, and I'm sure we've been there ourselves. That's too hard to understand. No, I'm going to go back. And Jesus watched them walk away. And I told you, if I was writing the Bible, I would have written there, Jesus wept. But Jesus didn't weep. He stood there and watched thousands of them go. And he didn't run ahead of them, as I've always told you. He didn't run ahead of them and say, hey, 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 wait, don't leave me. I'll dumb down my message for you. I'll make it easier for you. Just stay with me. Stay with me. No, no, he didn't do that. In this day and age when churches are trying to do that, when Christian leaders and all these weird people who are now for years have been proclaiming truth, now they're saying we need to re-deconstruct the faith and make it more presentable to this generation. What kind of nonsense? Jesus didn't do that even in his generation. No, he watched them walk away. And then he looked at the 12. One was still Judas, and he knew. But he turned and he looked and he says to them, are you leaving too? And do you remember what was said? They responded, where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. Is that better? I keep seeing in your face. Oh, she's glowing back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. But that's what that's what he says. Woo. He says, are you leaving too? But what is your response, you all? Have you gotten to the place of those disciples where you say, where can I go? You hold the words to eternal life. Sure, I can go back and live this way and that way and this way and that way. But you hold the words to eternal life. And God, that's what I want. This is what we have. God's word. If you're a Christian, this is your identity. It's important you look intently in it And then when you walk away from it, you don't forget it. No, you just say, God, teach me. I'm I'm going to mess up, but God, just keep growing me. me, I'm not trying to live up to man's standards. I'm not trying to make this person happy or that. No, no, God, I just want to live for you, God. Go to 1 John. Woo, 1 John. If you're in James, flip back. To the back of the book. You're running to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. is what we're reading. And then we're going to go to chapter 2 verse 6. So 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 through chapter 2 verse 6. Here we go. This is the message we heard from who? Jesus. And now declare to you 
God is what? Light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Do you need me to close that one? You're fine. Now, did we hear that? Don't miss that. God is light. There is no darkness at all in him. So look at verse 6 there. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. See, can we just wake up today? That's what always kills me. When I, when I first started going into churches, and I would begin to see people fight for position. I mean, the things that I saw, and I was like, what kind of craziness is this? And then I would meet, and I, and I used the term loosely, Christians, because there's a lot of people calling themselves Christians. <coughs> but they live in darkness. And I go, how, how can that be? Like when I sit down with them, how can that be? Because the Bible's very clear. You're not practicing the truth. You're believing a lie. Well, God knows me. God knows this. Yeah, but he set you free. You realize you just saying that convicts you of judgment. Because you yourself know that God knows, but you yourself know also that God made provision through Jesus, and yet you're saying that provision through Jesus isn't enough to bring you from darkness. What? You see how you have to talk to yourself. Like we got to stop making God out to be something and someone that he's not. But if we are living in the light, it goes on as God is what in the light. Then we have fellowship. Listen to this with each other and the blood of Jesus. Come on. His son. Look, cleanses us from what? All sin. Circle that. All. Not just, well, you know that, you know. No, all sin. So why are we allowing sin to master us? If we claim, oh goodness, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we, listen to this, confess our sins to who? To him. He is what? Faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to, I love this word, cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. He cleanses us. Remember months ago, we were talking, I was sharing with you about the prophet Isaiah, when he saw the vision of the throne room of God, and he goes, oh, he was a man of God, he was a prophet of God. And yet he responds, oh, I'm doomed. And then the seraphims came and they touched him with the coals and he was, the Bible says that he was cleansed. And then when God said, who, who shall we send? All of a sudden the prophet gets up and he's like, Here I am. Send me. 
See, you have to see yourself doomed first. But when you're cleansed, listen, I don't know about you, but I know what we all have in common, if we're really going to be truthful, is we carry around a bunch of guilt, shame, from what we've done, and how we've hurt others, how we've hurt ourselves. And people try to hold that to us. But when you're cleansed, listen, I'm no longer guilty. I'm no longer shamed. I'm not doing that to myself. I lived in that cycle. I lived in that cycle. And when I started reading God's truth, I was like, wait, I'm cleansed? Like, I don't have that weight of guilt and shame on me no more? Oh, God. I remember when I had to go what I call the forgiveness tour after becoming a Christian, being a Christian for a little bit. I said, well, there's some people I got to go back to. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. And even if you can, that's okay. You're still forgiven. But I knew I needed to reach people, right, Gilda? I went to Gilda's house. This is before, you know, we started courting and getting ready for marriage. But I had to go back and tell her, God, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And I remember her sitting in that room just looking at me like, hmm. But you see, I didn't let that bother me because people respond. I remember sitting across from my dad at the table in his, Yvette, you drove me up there, sitting across the table and looking at him and saying, Dad, I just need you to forgive me. Oh, son, no, I don't need, you don't need to say that, son. No, 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 Dad, please. No, I've got to. Because I've allowed past and how you hurt me keep me bound and I've held it against you and I don't want to hold it against you anymore oh we wept and ever since that day my dad's relationship and mine like if at the end of his life and people would say wow you had such a good relationship with your father look how close but the majority of my life I didn't I hated him I hated him with the very essence of my being. But I can't continue to be bound by, by shame and guilt. Sometimes, if, sometimes we just got to forgive. I mean, the Bible is very clear. You holding <laughs> unforgiveness, you're choosing to remain the victim. And somehow you think, well, I'm not going to forgive them. As if then you're lording over them, as if now you're keeping them in prison. No, no, no. you keeping yourself. And when I started really getting the grasp of that understanding, like, wait a minute. No, I want to get, I want to, I want to be free. And that's why I keep telling you all, freedom, freedom. Don't take it for granted. Treasure it. Treasure the fact that if he says you're cleansed, you're cleansed. You're not bound by guilt and shame any longer. Get up. That yoke has been broken. And you can't go back and change people of mind. There was other people I went to and said, listen, and they looked at me and cursed me up and down. Get out. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure there's people still today, if they were to see me, they would say the same stuff, whatever. And it's okay. People will always be quick to throw up your past. (laughs) But you keep walking in your presence, leading you to your future. Don't let words 
have power over you. You take every thought captive, as the Bible says, and bring it into the obedience of His Lordship. (sighs) Chapter 2. My dear brothers, I mean my dear children, I'm writing this to you, here's what I've shared with you, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate, who's our advocate, Jesus, you all, who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him. Oh God, here's truth. We can be sure we know him if we what? Go to church. Say a prayer. Do some tithing. Do some serving. Post a little encouraging word. No, no, no. Obey. Obey. You can't obey if you're not applying. If you obey his commandments, that's how you know if you're truly loving that's why Jesus looked and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? That's what I love about Jesus. He didn't pull any punches. He looks at these people and says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. Like he's exposing it to them. As he does with us. So there's, there's truth for you to take away. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God. I love Jesus. And yet you live like a heathen. But yet you're acting like you don't, you know, you don't even know him. You don't even know the basic truth. But if you're saying you know him, then live for him. Does again, you're going to mean you're going to be perfect, but you start saying, God, I want to learn to obey. And listen to verse 4. If someone claims, oh, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. That's God's word. And is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God without, I'm sorry, those who say they live in God should, oh God, you listen to standard, the bars being raised, not by man, but by God, they should live their lives as Jesus did. And yet we hear people, you may have said it out of your own mouth, because I hear it every time I counsel people. I'm not Jesus. <clears throat> well, are you a Christian? Well, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, then, you know, the Bible says that you're to live as he did. Do you understand, like, the confusion that we do and say and the words mean stuff? Yes, we're not going to be perfect. But if God, if this is what you're saying then understand this about God. He's never going to raise a standard that He doesn't equip you to live. The Bible says He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Listen, we're without excuse. You can make all the excuses why you've taken this sinful action or actions and exerted it up above His rule. But in the end, it's all going to crumble. Do you understand what you're facing each and every single day when you're getting up? I'm telling you, I'm moved. 
I, I, I'm stirred this year to get us to a place of maturing. Because this realm, this realm, and this is only getting gaining more and more ground. Because the Bible says it's going to. And like I said to you on Friday, when the Bible tells you, oh, in the last days, the love of many are going to grow cold. They're going to become lovers of themselves. And they describe these characteristics. And we all go, ooh, the bad world, the lost people. But listen, he's not talking about them. We already know what they're like. Do you know what he's making you aware of? That's what's going to happen amongst us. People are going to start showing their true colors. And church life is going to get a little rocky. But hold on to Jesus, you all. That's why we got to hold on to Jesus. That's why we're growing, we're maturing, we're saying, no, God. We want people to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) They're not going to raise their ugliness. And there's too many people controlling churches today with their money. Preach what we want to hear, preacher. And if not... We're out of here. See ya. No, we got to start getting real. We got to start humbling ourselves and saying, come on, we can't do church the way we've done church. We got to be the people of God in this generation that's hungering for God. That's going out knowing that the world's getting darker, but we're getting brighter. We're fanning the flame. God, I want to burn brighter today. I don't want to live off yesterday's burning. No, no, God, today, afresh and anew. My God, help me and be quick, Holy Spirit. When I do fall and stumble and sin, be quick with conviction as I know that you are because of your love for me to get me up. And say, son, daughter, repent. First to him, and then reconcile what you just broke. Go to the people. I shouldn't have acted that way. I'm so sorry. Rather they accept it or not. Jesus, did you not just hear? He's interceding. He's your advocate. He's continuing to this day until he returns. He is before the Father pleading on your behalf. And I love the fact when Jesus prays in the garden before he's arrested and hung on the cross, he says to the Father, protect them. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But what I'm asking you is to protect them. And you know what he prays? Protect them by the name that you gave me. If all you need to do, you enter some bad warfare this week, just say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. If Jesus understood that, we better understand it. He said, I'm not asking you to take them from the world. Though that wouldn't have been easy. You know, like we're Christian, we're trained, you know, all of them now we're in heaven. No, no, no. He, He doesn't do that. No, keep them here. Because remember, the Bible says that you were purposed. See, you were purposed for this generation. You were purposed to live amongst this darkened world that is preparing its platform for the Antichrist. But like I keep saying, let the world prepare for him. We're to be preparing for our groom to come and take us up out of here. And we're to be excited for that. Because we know what we are expecting 
But God, you've purposed us. I'm not an accident. And God, that's how we need to start talking to our children. Maybe not, you, you purpose for today. We live wild because we don't know our purpose. Even if they don't understand it yet, speak it over their lives. You were purposed, and you were purposed by God. The Bible says, this is the Bible. The Word of God says that He's equipped you. He's purposed you to do good works. Even before He placed you in your mother's womb. He knew your evil nature. He knew your sinful rebellion. But ultimately, He knew you were purposed and destined and chosen to be a trophy of grace that He can display to all creation. So before you get carried away about all the craziness that's going on out there, it should, it should really encourage you to say, Oh God, fan the flame. Fan the flame, Lord. God, I want to live among them and I want to live upright. And I want to be ready to serve them. Not look down upon them, not you know, curse them violently. No, no, no. God, vengeance is yours. <laughs> I just want to serve as you came to serve. Because your word says I'm to live as you live. Go to Romans 6. Oh, Lord. Romans 6. It's right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 6. Some of you have heard it. Some of you may not have heard it. The day I completely surrendered to Christ, completely, I had, he, already begun, he already begun working in me, but I was fighting that work. I was saying that the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction to my life. That's, you're the devil! Just trying to keep me from being happy. My lover and I, we went over to, to, to sign the deed to the sandwich shop we were going to open. I couldn't even do it. I ran back across the street where the condo was. I locked myself up in the room and I said, God, you're, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm going crazy. What's happening to me? And then I remember grabbing the word and, and throwing my Bible and say, just speak to me. And it opened to Romans 6. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what you should do. But that's what I did in that hour, in that moment. <clears throat> and I want you to hear these words. These words. As they were read to me, may they be read over to you. Read over you. And may you understand the weight of them. And the freedom that comes from them. Well then, should you keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have what? Died to what? Sin. How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. 
And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, what? New lives. Since we have, what? Been united with him in his death, we also we will also be raised to life as he was. We know, oh God, hear the knowledge in which you should have. We know that our old sinful nature... Whoo, Jesus, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin, listen to this, might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free. Come on, from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you, who, you, also should consider yourselves to be dead. To the power of sin and listen to this and replace it with this knowledge and alive to God through not your good works, not your religion. Thank you, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Do not let what sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve Sin. Instead, do this now. Give yourself completely to who? God. For you were what? For you were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom, dear God, of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Do you, don't you realize that you became, the, I'm sorry, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You could be slave, a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were, come on, slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery or from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. 
when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of those things you used to do. Those things end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in, listen to this, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. And then if you take your reading a little further, it begins to say, oh, and people use this as an excuse. Listen, listen, you got to be careful who, who you're listening to because they want to be quick to find the ins and outs of Scripture to give you the right to yourself. And I've always said to you, if people are talking that way to you and teaching you that way, you better get up and run from them because you never have a right to yourself. Because people would then say, oh, but Rob, come on. You know that Paul struggled. Remember Paul, Rob? He would say, well, this old wretched man that I am. What I want to do, I can't do. And what I do, I don't want to do. And oh. And they make Paul to be this weird, weak, unspiritual man. But do you know what God did in Paul's life? And yet though Paul announces those words to the church, he wasn't announcing it being a victim. He was actually helping them to identify, listen, I know this is what y'all are going through. I know what you're wrestling with. I know what you're doing. And so they just stopped there. And so that's why you got to be quick on your feet. Because listen, when I was told that when I first became a believer, do you know what that would have done to me? It would have given me the right to go back and live. To beg my lover to take me back. Well, I can have right. I can, I can just live however I want. Oh, okay. But no. No. If you read the next scripture underneath that. Oh, who will save me? Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ. He gives them the way out through Christ. His message wasn't schizophrenic. He always upheld Christ, just as we should always uphold Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. This is how we're living. Oh, you can choose to sin. I can go and choose to sin. But I know where it's going to lead me. You know where it's going to lead you. So why would you? That's why the Bible's very clear. Take every thought captive. Bring it to the obedience of his lordship. See, there's ways in which we ought to live. It didn't say just take the thoughts that you want to know every thought. That is contrary to truth. The Bible says, do not give the enemy a foothold. You give him a foothold. And he's going to develop a stronghold. And then you say, well, what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a pattern of thinking that you begin to believe that's contrary to the truth of God's word. He said, oh, but pastor, I have strongholds in my life. Well, don't fret. The Bible then tells you that he gives you the weapons of your warfare to demolish those strongholds. The weapon is the word. Truth. And why do you think we people are, are in the word? Studying the word. 
hearing the word, doing the word. Because the enemy knows that if he can choke it up, snatch it out, you're of no value. You have no worth. All you have is your old nature that is damned. But get in the word, you all, and watch your life change. Because God honors what he has spoken. Go to Hebrews. Carry the other two scriptures that are in the notes for application. We actually already discussed them above. Go to Hebrews. Just one verse here. Hebrews. It's right before James. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Go towards the back. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Woo! Okay, Lord. Listen, you that's what I'm telling you. Everything's going to fight against you to keep you from God's word. Everything will fight against you to keep you from the fellowship among of believers. <laughs> Everything's going to fight against you to keep you from applying what you're hearing. Well, look, you're not, look, you're, you're a failure. Look, you can't live like Norma. You can't pray like Gilda. You can't serve like Melissa. You just look, you look, 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 you're a nut. Look, you got all these problems. Oh, they're talking about you. Oh, you can't live up to what God has for you. And people just listen to all this. But you have got to learn to have a little fight in you. If I grab Jessica and begin to beat the hell out of her right now, she's going to do whatever in her power to fight that. And the rest of you are going to jump on me. Correct? I would hope. Jessica said, Rob, please don't come use me as an illustration. I'm not going to. I know, right? But the reality is, is in the natural, if that's our first reaction, why isn't that in the spiritual? Amen. Amen. We let the devil just run us down. We let the world just invade us. And we let that old nature just grip us. And we have got to start fighting back. And that's why I can come to my brothers and sisters and say, listen, this is what's going on in my mind. This is what's going on in my life. Pray for me. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be guilt-ridden to say, well, what are they going to think about me if I come and tell them what's really going on in my mind? Who cares? Who cares? Listen, when I first started going to church and I was telling pastors and people like what was happening, I, I was told to leave the church. I was told, listen, you're nothing but the devil. You're going to come in here and pervert all the men in the church. Well, dear God, I didn't wake up thinking that. That wasn't a desire within me to pervert your men. (laughs) But tossed out. I could have got angry. I could have got bitter. I could have been wounded. (laughs) But I got better. (laughs) Because I trusted God. I trusted God. Did it hurt? Yes. Did it cut me down? Oh, God. Yes. But it built me up to believe more in God. Not man. And God, even as I went through that season at the end, when I finally broke and humbled myself before God, God says, when I cried out to him, God, why? He's like, stop finding approval from the created. 
I've approved of you. Get up. See, until you recognize that, your, your old nature, that's why you have to understand the ins and the outs of your old nature and how it works so that you can keep it underneath your feet and say, oh, no, no, no. You're not gaining ground today. I know, I'm trusting. I'm believing. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. This is how we go forward today, you all. Throw it off. Expose it. Like, you don't know. There's people, we get, you know, good and I get calls. People come over and we don't even know them. And they will sit up here or downstairs and begin to expose the most darkest things of their life to complete strangers just because they've heard of us. They've heard that there's a place that I can go and I could just expose all of it. I mean, some of the stuff I've heard. But you don't even flinch. That's what I'm telling you. You give a who, what? No, you realize, if not but for the grace of God, you would be there. But I always ask them, Do you, are you involved in a church? Oh yeah, I've got a pastor at church. And, and I always say, well, you know, it's good that you're able to expose it here. And I can counsel, I can pray for you, I can point you to Jesus. But your first step is to go and expose it to your pastor. Go expose it to those you can trust in your fellowship. And they go, oh, no, no. If my pastor knew, if those ladies or those men that I pray with knew, they would throw me out. And I was like, well, then you're in the wrong place. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, that's what church is supposed to be. We're to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. But what we've done is we've hold everyone at arm lengths and says, be holy, be holy, be holy, but don't tell us of your unholiness. No. Like, I want you all to be transparent. There's nothing that you're going to do that's going to shock me. The only time, if anything, that you'll be held accountable is if you say to me, I'm a Christian and I have a right to keep doing it. Then I'm going to say, ha ha, show me that here in Scripture. And if you can't, and if that's the route you're taking, then I've got to protect the flock. You need to go. Doors always open when you want to humble yourself and come back. But other than that, no. You want to live a monk? Go live a monk. Go do you. Have, have at it and enjoy it. But you're not going to come up here and defame Christ. Because that's what the Word of God says to do in the church. Unless we're quick to say, well, let's, you're not supposed to judge. I say, well, you don't know the Word of God. <laughs> like, listen, you've got to be able to come back to people. Oh, what do you mean? The Bible says you're not to judge. Oh, 
I'll tell you what I mean. The Bible tells you that you're to judge those within the church. I don't judge those on the outside. And the last time I checked, you're sitting here with me saying you're in the church. So if you're in the church, then I have every right to judge you. I don't judge, we don't judge those on the outside. They already stand condemned. Why am I pointing my finger at them? No, I have compassion on them. But I have a fool act ugly in the congregation and just keep living however they want and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. The reality is, is you are welcome here. You are welcome here no matter what you're doing or what's going on. But the moment you claim to be a Christian, then the standard is set. Not because man has said it or the church has said it, because do we not just hear God said it? And this is what we're holding each other accountable to. That's why we should be able to come to each other and, and open it up and say, listen, this is what's going on. and I need counsel. I need prayer. I'm tired. I'm battling. And I'm exhausted. But too many times in that battle, I've seen it over and over and over because I saw it in myself. Many years. I laid up in bed. Battling. And I just kept isolating myself. Isolating. You know, that's a tactic of the enemy. It's a tactic of the enemy to isolate you from truth, from fellowship. So when you start seeing that, like you gotta get, you gotta, as the Bible says, be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. Know his tactics. Back then I didn't understand his tactics. But then I began to learn them. And I'm like, oh, I see you. You've come to try me. But let me remind you of the king I serve. The God who adopted me and has given me the right to call him Daddy, Abba. Nope, you have no authority and you have no room and you have no right to me any longer by the blood of Jesus. See, I don't know how you're speaking or what you're doing when you get up from this place. But oh, how I pray that you're applying attributes of God. Lord, we will get to Scripture next week. I know we're already in Scripture, but walking through Scripture. My heart's just heavy, you are. I'm praying for each of us. I, I sense a lot of warfare going on, you know. And so we're just going to take time. This is not, I don't, I'm not up here to perform for you or, or to do anything else or try to rush through a lesson. No, I, I, I just want to be obedient to when I'm praying for us. That I'm saying, okay, God, you're showing me, you're revealing, then God, then I'll do as you want. I'll do, I'll do it, Lord. You all know what you're going through every single day. But you have got to fight. Not in your own strength. But take your sword. Take the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Put on the helmet of salvation to guard your mind. Put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart. Put on the belt of truth. 
put on the sandals of peace and begin to go forth out into a generation that's amping up its war against the church and ultimately against his throne. And live, you all. Live upright. Live it out loud. Let them begin to see the power of God. They're being lied to of what the grace of God is. We have the, the Christian realm, and I, I hate even saying that, but it's, it's that realm that's out there that's portraying to be Christians. They're all gathering today. And they're taking the grace of God and they're, and they're stripping it of its power, saying basically it's a license to sin. And we just read there. Do you know the Church of Rome? That's why Paul had to address it. Do you understand the teaching that crept into the Church of Rome? It was this. Keep sinning, keep sinning, because the more we sin, the more grace is going to be displayed. And Paul's like, what? What kind of nonsense is this? No, the grace of God is the power to transform. The power to transform. But we have to know our God. So the attributes of God, the, the, a characteristic of God. We've heard so far, God is infinite. He is self-existing without origin. Last week we heard God is immutable. He never changes. And this week, here's another insight to our God. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. John 5, 26. As limited humans, we have incredible needs, which left unfulfilled result in death. God, however, has never once been in need of anything. As Tim Temple writes, God is perfectly complete within his own being. In a blog posted on Reformation22.org, Scott Swain writes that the self-sufficiency of God means he possesses infinite riches of being, wisdom, goodness, and power in and of himself. Because he possesses these unfathomable riches in the perfect knowledge and love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is the blessed or happy God. Because God is self-sufficient, we can go to him to satisfy all of our needs. We never have to worry about drying up his never-ending well of goodness, peace, mercy, and grace. Now to, the, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. See, when we know our God... We know how to relate with him. We know how to walk with him. We have the assurance that this is our father. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's all sufficient, all knowing, all powerful God. And once I was at war with him, but he came and revealed himself to me through his son, Jesus. And he called me son. He said, son, stop fighting against me. Come, come be with me. I love how that one song we opened up and we heard this morning about the prodigal. The prodigal 
took his inheritance and went buck wild until he ended up in the pig pen. And it was not only until he got to the end of himself that he said it was better than my father's house. Even if I just go back and be a servant there, it's better than this place. I will get up and I will go back. And that father was looking out. Sees his son afar off. He didn't stand with his arms folded, tapping his toes, saying, look at that punk. What, he think he's going to get back? No, he didn't stand there. He saw him. And he said, ha, that's my son. And he took off running. Picked him up and embraced him. That's what God does, you all. When a sinner humbles himself and realizes, I can't do this anymore, God. It's better that I get up from this place and come back to you. See, you were always purposed for God. He's chosen you. He chose you. He's purposed you. He knows you. And he wants to save you. He wants to deliver you so that you can have hope afresh and anew and a new way of life that ultimately for eternity, for eternity, you will rule and reign with him. Listen, y'all, that's good news. That's good news. I'm going to close this in song. And then I'll close us in prayer.
right in front of my eyes. All I've ever needed is found in Jesus. I surrender now. Throw my idols down. All I've ever needed is found in Jesus. Your heart after mine, you're not.